he was really my spiritual father and it really hurt and it caused a lot of divisions but i was like you know this is what this is what the scripture says but this is what this is what christianity is saying and these things are not adding up he started telling us that girls you need to you need to dress for your future husbands you shouldn't be dressing for anyone else you and I'm sitting there <laughs> as a 10-year-old going, I'm 10. Why am I wor- why should I be worried about how I'm dressing? The openness and sharing and the honesty and how difficult that is because you it, it can be used against you. And when that happens, you know, a, a time or or maybe two if you'll even after the first time will open yourself up again. It, it's uh, it's really painful and it, and it becomes, you feel really isolated. Come over me for this guy, it, just his facial expressions looking around like I don't belong here. Mm. And that made me feel so sad. And I was just like, I don't belong here either then. So pervasive in that culture of like this, this idea of American exceptionalism and, and like we have to have this flag and we have to be like if, if you aren't for the war if you aren't for whatever then you're not really christian and i'm like how does that fit with a cross um and and that i think kind of shattered the like the, the armor already had a lot of cheeks yeah but that kind of like was the final blow to be like okay i don't know that this is true and i'm kind of starting to believe that it's not for the most part, I kept those questions to myself um, because I started to get this feeling um, as much as I loved my church, as much as I loved um, the people there, as much as I felt like this strong sense of belonging, I, I, I really did not feel like it was an okay place to ask really difficult questions. But I, I have always thought that that's so, not toxic, but like unhealthy because it's teaching us how to be clever and like sneaky with things that we're doing. The Scott Stebbin Podcast presents a Deconstructing Faith series where we look at people's stories of what was built, what was lost, and what was found in between. Episode 1. What is deconstruction? Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Scott Stedman Podcast. Uh, This new series that I've been working so hard on for the last couple of months will be highlighting the stories of men and women who have gone or are going through the deconstruction phase in their faith journey. Now, we've seen, at least especially throughout the last 20 months, that uh, deconstruction has become more prevalent and more freely talked about um, in our society, especially through social media. And I think a lot of the reasons why that is is because with my gener- starting with my generation, there has been a characteristic of individuals being able to share and talk freely about some of the things that they're going through, some of the struggles, and be able to broadcast on a worldwide setting through social media. 
And as this deconstruction boom began to happen, there were so many different people who were trying to tackle these issues and really kind of look and see, well, what is deconstruction? There have been some pastors who have said that deconstruction is bad and evil and it's basically a renouncing or a questioning of your faith, which is not permitted. And yet there are others who see that deconstruction is a good thing and that sometimes it needs to happen to be able to deconstruct some of the uh, toxic characteristics or the toxic teachings that have been taught from the church. And others are still on the fence where they see the good in it, they see the bad in it, and they just don't really know how to handle all of it. So today I want to talk about what deconstruction is and be able to kind of share uh, some of my own stories uh, through my life's history of the times where I have gone through different stages of deconstruction. So when people ask me, what is deconstruction, uh, the best way I could always describe it is using a Lego metaphor. My son loves Legos, and every time when I get him a set, he loves to just open up the box, rip open the bags, pull out the instruction manual, and be able to look at the guidelines on how to build whatever he's building. And if you've never done Legos before, they come with these guides, these manuals. And as you go, there's a step-by-step instruction of what bricks you need and how they need to be put together. And as you keep flipping the pages and keep adding more and more layers uh, to whatever you're creating, by the time you get to the final page, you should have a replica a mere image of what the instruction manuals is telling you to do and the picture that is on the box. But there have been times where my son, when he put stuff together, sometimes he would put the brick in the wrong spot. Whether it was just he couldn't see the instructions weren't clear or he just happened to just put it, thought he was doing it right, or sometimes got ahead of himself and started to put the bricks together Uh, As he continued to layer, eventually he would have to call me because something wasn't fitting right or something didn't quite look right. And a lot of times as I'm looking at it and I would have to usually turn back a couple of pages to find out where he went wrong and kind of deconstruct the Lego bits in order to find the thing that was faulty, put it in its right place, and then rebuild everything back up so that he could continue with his build. And I think a lot of times when we think about our faith and our faith journey, um, about what deconstruction is, it's very similar to that. There are times where we may have grown up within our faith communities. And as we get older or as tragedy or as the culture and our world and our society begins to change, there are some things where we begin to ask some questions we begin to see that sometimes what we are seeing played out before our eyes does not connect to what we believe or, especially in the case of religion, what we are seeing in the Holy Scriptures. Because when we look at deconstructions, it's not just about faith and religion, even though this is kind of what this series is really focusing on. 
But even I've known some people who have deconstructed their political beliefs or have kind of deconstructed or rethought like what they believed or, or their skill set or what they wanted to do with uh, how they were going to uh, make money for a career or even how they were going to serve other people. And we see that a lot of times that when we get to that, to that paradoxical moment where either we can continue to kind of stop questioning things and continue to trudge through and hoping everything will fix itself out, but eventually you always get to the point where something just doesn't look right. Something just doesn't feel right. The, the thing that you believe, the thing that you have created is not what was promised on the box art. So in order to get back to what the image, get back to the primarily focal image of what we're trying to build up within our faith, within our careers, within our politics, or within our lives, we have to be able to deconstruct the pieces and kind of find out, well, what is the one thing that doesn't fit? Or sometimes, what are the few things that doesn't seem to fit. And I think when we hear the arguments against deconstruction, one of the main arguments is that, well, what if they deconstruct all the way to the point where there's nothing left? I was recently listening to a podcast and um, one of the um, one of the guests was talking about how he got an email from somebody who was going through the deconstruction process. And one of the things that they were asking for help is that they needed to find something that they could put their feet on, some sort of solid ground, some sort of foundation. Because as you're going through the, because as this person was going through their deconstruction um, process, it gets pretty lonely kind of drifting at sea. It gets pretty lonely feeling like you're floating and you don't know what's up, what's down, what's left, what's right. And you really need a foundation that we can really sink our feet in and be able to say, okay, now that I have a firm foundation I'm now able to try to reconstruct this new identity, this new belief, this new faith from this foundation. And especially when I look at um, religion and faith, I think the biggest thing of what we can prove as what is our foundation is, is our foundation built on Jesus Christ? In his teachings. Because a lot of times when we see um, in churches, there's times where we always talk about Jesus. There's times where we say it's good to read your Bible and to understand the Bible. But over time, there will be other teachings and other things that we have learned, whether they're from our own interpretations, whether it's from teachers or pastors or other people in the church where they say things that kind of shape our faith development. And we realize that some of those things don't necessarily line up with 
the foundation of God's word, the foundation of what Jesus taught or what the scriptures talk about. So especially for those of us who may be listening, who may be thinking, man, deconstruction is evil, it's bad, it's of the devil, whatever words you want to use, I think the most starting point that you have to start at is did that this person that I know who may be going through a deconstruction process, did I teach them about what was foundational? Did I teach them and said, hey, this is the truth and this is it? Because even when we look at the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians, he says, you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. And the thing is, and the thing that I believe is this, that when you have a, a foundation or even something built on a foundation that is not correct, that that is not good. Also, when you build up your belief on things that are not foundational, that's not good. And sometimes that can be very imprisoning. At the same time, not having anything and just kind of floating like uh, like the podcast uh, person who was reading that letter about the person who said they just needed to find a foundation. Sometimes just floating is also not good either. Sometimes that can become binding as well. So for those who are in that, and, and even for those who are in that deconstruction mode, the thing I would challenge you to do is what is your foundation? What is the thing that you need to latch onto to not only have a rest and a peace of mind, but even be able to say, okay, if I am going to put say that this is my foundation, then this is what I can try to build off of. And if it builds up and a thing looks great, then fantastic. But if you begin to build on this new foundation and you're starting to realize that this is not starting to add up, that this is kind of not working right, then it's okay to deconstruct it, even maybe check the foundation and see if it's a solid foundation or not. When I think about my life and and being involved in the church and just kind of... um, and just kind of my own story, you know, I believe that there are at least probably two events in my life where I really begin to kind of go through a deconstruction phase. One of them was probably way before the word deconstruction was trending. Um, and this was when I was a child, probably around seven years old. For those of you who may have known my story, or for those of you who don't, you know, I grew up in the church. Uh, my grandfather um, was a pastor in the Nazarene tradition, and every Sunday I would always go to church. And for all I can remember, I remember being involved in church. I remember having interactions with my grandfather, and I thought it was so cool that my grandfather was the pastor of the church. Um, and I can even remember times, especially when we moved from Iowa to Ohio, I can remember there'd be times uh, where, 
during altar call and I'd be sitting in service and there'd be times where I would go down to the altars and my grandfather would come down and he would pray uh, he would pray with me, and I would tell, confess, you know, that maybe that I was using inappropriate language, or or there were some things that I may be struggling with, or I just really wanted to feel maybe like a little connection with God. And he'd sit there and he'd pray for me, and especially from the outside looking in, this looked like a very cookie cutter, very neat packaged. Um, Christian family, from my parents to my grandparents. But what was kind of behind the mirror was something different. You see, my grandfather was very abusive and very manipulative and had caused a lot of deep mental wounding, not only in my life growing up as a kid, as I look back on it now from a healing standpoint, But especially it really affected both my mom and my aunt growing up as some of that abuse happened when they were kids. And it had led to a lot of deep wounding within their lives. And there was a point, uh, the point when I was about seven years old, where there was um, an accusation that my grandfather uh, was having an affair with a woman from the church, which turned out to be true. Uh, there was also some other accusations about him that also came out to be true. And um, and one of the people who ended up finding out about it were my parents. And they went and they uh, reported it to the higher-ups. And through a, ver- a thorough investigation, the findings were true. And not only was my grandfather removed as pastor from the church, but he also had his ministerial license revoked. And during that time, uh, when all that happened, the church got very vicious towards my family and basically accused them of doing wrong and, and even would say, go up the bat and say, well, you know, Oh, you know, the pastor was a good person and everything that happened was in the past and and all this stuff. And it really got to my dad really bad to the point where he proclaimed that all church people are hypocrites and took me and my sister and we ended up leaving the church for about five to six years. And during that time when... We have left the church and I began to find out more and more about some of the stuff that was behind the mirror, behind the curtain. Uh, I really went through a very deep season of anger and pain. And especially for those who may be listening that knew me from my elementary days, my school days, that I was not a very pleasant person to be around. Um, because I was hurting, I was wounding, I had a lot of anger because this ideal, and even I think when I think back and I think about the interactions that I've had with my grandfather, I think one of the biggest things that I could take away from that in hindsight was just how much I saw my grandfather as a Christ figure. And I don't necessarily know if he set himself up to kind of be that 
Christ-like role or to be that godly role. But for me, just having a grandfather who was a minister, someone who I could go down to the altar and pray with me and look at all these different uh, things, it really kind of put him up on a pedestal, whether he did it himself or whether I put him up there. And now when that view of God is gone, you're left with just a bunch of questions and a bunch of brokenness and a bunch of anger that that this person is not who he said to be. I can remember one particular incident, especially in junior high, where I was just, go, uh, this, at this time we were going back to church and I was starting to uh, be in a very great church environment where I was able to learn about God, learn about Jesus, and and was really able to kind of go through a reconstruction process of what I believed. Because a lot of the stuff, what I used to believe as a kid, a lot of that had been broken down through the five, six years that I wasn't in church. And I can remember I still had a lot of hostility towards my grandfather, and I haven't seen him since uh, that day, um, that day we left the church. And I can remember just thinking to myself, you know, if I ever, ever came cross paths with him again, that I was going to beat him up. I was going to like beat him up to a pulp. That was kind of my idea. That was kind of my thinking, still coming from that place of brokenness and, and anger. And at this time, my sister and I, we were involved in a, in a uh, puppet ministry at the church, and we were traveling around throughout Northeast Ohio. And there was one particular show that we were coming back, and we stopped at the McDonald's uh, right where my sister and I were living. And I remember I was with my friends, and I went up, and I ordered my food. And as I was sitting there and just waiting for my order, it was very crowded that day. I just happened to look over my shoulder, and there standing in the back of the other line was my grandfather. And instantly, I just felt this, felt like my whole body was encapsulated in ice. And once I got my food, I just slowly kind of moved out and kind of moved around. And actually, probably wasn't the smartest thing to do, but I actually went outside and kind of hid behind the van and ate and I sobbed. uh, Because I was just so terrified and so scared. And once we were done eating and we got back in the got back in the church bus and drove back to the church and we had some uh the uh puppet directors took me and my sister back home right when we got in I remember going in locking all the doors pulling all the blinds and was just completely and my sister was like what's going on and I had to tell her what had happened and sure enough the phone the phone rang and I didn't answer it because I thought it was him and when the voice, uh, when the voicemail uh, kicked on, I was able to hear everything. It was my parents, so I picked up, and they too somehow after we left, they happened to go get some food at McDonald's, and they happened to run cross paths with them again, um, and so they called to just make sure that we were okay and that we were fine, and just to lock the doors and just to wait there until they came back home. Um, but yeah, it was just a very weird moment and I think over time I've kind of came to the point where I've kind of forgiven him and kind of you know through through the power of Jesus Christ and through the Holy Spirit just kind of forgave him for just the past hurts that I've dealt with so that was kind of the first stage of kind of my deconstruction slash reconstruction um part of my journey 
Uh, most recently would probably have been the last couple of months uh, since I have resigned as the pastor at the last church I've been to. And even just reflecting on kind of my pastoral years and, and just even kind of the things I saw from that lens of being the lead pastor of a church and, and things, I think a lot of the stuff that I was still struggling with was just how much backstage politics there was in church life. Just like how there was a lot of things behind the curtain that a lot of the church people didn't see within the dynamics of our family, even within church, the churches I have been a part of, there are sometimes that there were things that would happen backstage, behind the curtain, outside of the Sunday morning worship hour that didn't quite reflect what would happen during the Sunday morning service. And especially when I look back, I think there was at least one church that I was a part of where what happened on a meeting on Monday and Tuesday always reflect what would happen on Sunday morning. There was honesty, there was openness, there was transparency. Um, When there were mistakes made, uh, usually there was always a time of rebuking, but rebuking in love and correction and, and things that were done privately and done lovingly that was very ideal and was very uh, transformative to how I led and how I saw church culture. And then there were other churches, whether it was interim or even just a full-time pastoralship, where I began to see some of the evilness in the backstage politics. There'd be times where people would say kind things about me or would say wonderful things about me on a Sunday morning. And then on a Tuesday evening would say deep, hurtful, painful things. There'd be times where things were said that I believed and thought that this was the way things were going to happen or how things were going to work out. And then they never worked out that way. And sometimes they ended up blowing in my face or was like a knife in my back. And especially there'd be times where I would make requests or would say, hey, this is the way we need to do things as a church. This is the way scripture says we need to do things. And even though I would hear, yes, that's exactly what we need to do. Okay, Pastor Scott, that's, that's, that's the way it got to be. And then months or even years later, we would fall into the same trap where I would have to ask the same question. Why wasn't it done this way? Why wasn't it done biblically? And especially the thing that I think really, really hurt the most is that when people give you their word and when people make promises so, and then you hope that these things are going to pass. And then all of a sudden you found out that they had broke their promise. Just recently when uh, the last uh, meeting that I had, uh, elder meeting that I had as pastor of my last church, um, the elder board uh, began to discuss things and we were talking kind of in a final meeting and trying to still navigate through all the COVID-19 procedures, figuring out if we were going to 
revert back to old protocols or if we're going to start to open things more up. And there is just a lot of discussion. But one of the things that was said in that meeting is that in a way to kind of show their appreciation for the years of ministry, I've been the pastor of the church, that they were going to take my family and I out to dinner. And I can remember saying, well, that would be great and we would love that. Just let us know when you want to do that and we would gladly go and do it. And yet, as I'm recording this on October 14th, 2021, I'm still waiting for that dinner. And I think when I look at the things that were probably the most hurtful or the most wounding within my ministry conduct, it would have to be the multiple times where people have either made promises or they said they're going to do things or they wanted to take my family out for a meal or whatever the case may be. And then either they break their promise or they just seem to kind of ghost me and decide to change their mind. And even as I've went through counseling and even done a bunch of intensive things and, and tried to understand, you know, was it me? What, what was going on? Like, why did these things have to happen? And again, through great wise counsel, through talking to many pastors and caregivers and counselors and, and everything else, it really boils down to that sometimes churches can be more like social club and they're only church by name only. And again, if the culture doesn't change, if the things that you are seeing, not only on a Sunday morning, but even the things that are happening outside of the Sunday morning worship hour, do not correlate and do not reflect the foundation of God's word, the foundation of how to do church and the church leadership, then there's a serious problem. And not only is it a culture of that does not reflect Christ, but it can also become a culture of great woundedness, not only in those who are involved in ministry, whether it's a pastor, whether it's a teacher, whether it's an elder, but even as just the regular congregant or layperson, it can also create wounding in their lives as well. So my hope for you who are listening to not only this episode, but to all the episodes that will be coming out in the next few weeks, I want you to always go back to the Lego analogy. Do you have a good foundation? And if there is not a good foundation in place, then find one. At the same time, you may find that you have a good foundation, but some of the things that were built up were wrong or put in the wrong place, or maybe it was just the wrong type of brick that was put in that place. then just deconstruct, 
get to the place where you're back to where you have your core values, not only your foundational values, but even your core values saying, this is what I believe. This is what I think. And when you do that and you're able to build everything back up, you then will be able to build something that is good, that is beautiful, that is life-changing, that is transformative, but also a reflection of what's on the box. And I think about this idea that when we follow Christ and through the guidance of his Holy Spirit, that we begin to be ambassadors, that we begin to reflect the image of Christ. So if you find that the way you act or the way other people act are not reflecting Christ, then maybe there's something inside you that needs to be deconstructed so that you can find that healing and that transformation, so that you don't end up saying things that end up putting wrong blocks or putting blocks where they're not supposed to go in someone else's faith journey. I hope that through the remainder of this series that you will listen to these stories, that you will hear these people's hearts, that you will get to see uh, the transformation from where they were to what was built to where their deconstruction, and hopefully within all these stories, you'll be able to find at least some sort of core value or a foundation that each of them hold on to place as they begin to kind of go and rebuild and continue their faith journey. I thank you guys so much for joining me on this journey. I hope you enjoy this series. If you like this show, if you like this series, I just ask that you give us a five-star rating and a review on wherever you're listening to this podcast from. I would also like to hear from you and hear about your own faith journey. Maybe there's a story that really resonates with you. We want to hear about it. You can go to this my website, thescottsteadman.com. You can go ahead and shoot me an email. And then hopefully, depending on the response we get, we may have an episode where we'll try to bring back a past um, guest and just be able to kind of reflect, um, kind of like a... Um, closing special of this series and what it has meant for them from not only hearing their own story as they tell it, but even hearing other stories who are going through the same process. Guys, again, I thank you so much for the love and support. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day and I'll have a new episode for you next week. Talk to you guys later. Have a great day. Bye-bye.